0: hi i'm mark and welcome back to a brand new episode of the service design show podcast and this is another podcast exclusive episode just for you and in this episode we're going to talk about the power of communities especially communities that allow you to connect with other professionals inside and outside your work the great thing about communities is that they enable you to grow as a professional in ways that you can't find anywhere else And of course, next to that, that they offer you a sense of belonging. Because let's be honest, when you're one of the few service designers in the room, it's great to know that you have other people who you can connect with that understand what you're going through. So to explore this topic, I've invited Natalie Kuhn on the show. And as you'll hear, Natalie has a lot of experience with starting, running and facilitating communities as she's one of the founders of the Serbs Design Network New York chapter. Natalie is going to share some of the best practices you should take into consideration when you decide to start a community yourself. And we're going to discuss where and how to actually start a community, how do you foster deep and meaningful connections within a community, why Facebook groups and Slack channels rarely work for communities, and finally, what are some pitfalls you definitely should try to avoid. So if you're considering to start, join, or maybe even grow a service design community, this episode is filled with great ideas on how you can make that a success. What you're about to hear is very much inspired by the conversations we recently had in our service design circle community. Yes, that's a bit meta. The circle community is a community for in-house service design professionals and it's all about sharing Practical wisdom from people who have gotten their hands dirty in service design It's a place where we talk about the hard parts of service design the dirty secrets And we share these lessons so we can learn from the mistakes and failures of others So you can skip over them If you're an in-house service designer who wants to connect with other peers You might want to consider joining the circle as well For all the details on how to apply head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle you'll also find the link in the show notes now there's only one thing left for me to say and that's let the show begin welcome to the show Natalie hey Mark good to see you or hear you in this uh, podcast exclusive episode on service design communities where we are addressing the service design community so it's going to be a bit meta um Before we dive into all those interesting topics, I'm sure that uh, the people who are listening are curious, who is Natalie? So maybe you could give a brief introduction uh, about who you are and what you do these days.
1: Absolutely. My name is Natalie Kuhn, and I'm a senior manager of service design at Capital One. I currently work within Enterprise Services Risk, leading a small team of designers looking toward the future of how we can innovate within risk management. And outside of work, I run the Service Design Network New York chapter. We run monthly events open to anybody. And so I really find my exposure to creating and participating in community coming from those two Places uh, from the Service Design Network and from Capital One.
0: Awesome. Uh, And you are a former camper. You participated in one of the Service Design Show campfires. Um, Now, I'm really curious. You have a lot of exposure about uh, two service design communities. We talked about service design community within the circle. You suggested to address service design communities. Maybe we need to set things straight first. And we, community is such a word that we take for granted. And we make a lot of assumptions around what it is. I'm curious, what do you mean with community?
1: I would say a community is a group of individuals that share a common interest or passion. So something that they either want to learn more about, that they already have some kind of expertise, or something that they want to really exchange thoughts around. And again, through the campfire, the SDN, through Capital One, we end up with a bunch of these either micro communities or larger communities of people with something in common that they want to discuss or workshop through, something like that
0: and it's irregardless of the medium right it's it doesn't have to be a physical thing it doesn't it's not per se on slack or a meetup it can be anywhere i think it's the, the group of people who are connected through a specific subject topic and want to connect over that what when I invited you to host uh, a circle session and um, asked which of these, which topic would you like to address, you suggested communities. What makes you so excited about communities?
1: I find them incredibly valuable to my own personal growth. I've heard from others their experience with communities has been really paramount to their success. But really in speaking for myself and my individual story, I would say that I've been a part of communities for several years now. I think uh, particularly getting into UX way back and then getting into service design, it was the communities that I found, whether they were related to the work that I was paid to do, or particularly outside of Work that I was able to find a group of individuals in which I could really learn and grow with them and and vice versa. I I sense they got the same. So I would say communities have always been such a crucial part of my career evolution and also my just personal feeling of belonging and connection to other humans.
0: So are, are those the things that you feel are hard to find in other places? So I'm I'm thinking about okay, um, growth can also be done through formalized training or by watching YouTube videos or what, are, what do you feel are the things specifically to communities that are hard to find in other places?
1: I would say the key thing that comes to mind is the ongoing accountability. At different times, and and I have some some other smaller communities I'm a part of where we work through our portfolio every quarter or so, but having other people who are looking toward similar growth or who are committed to um, growth and connection and getting to know one another, they will have different ebbs and flows of their excitement to do something together. So I think when you are a part of a community, it's something that's more long term, more ongoing in which you can participate how you want at different times and everyone kind of leads or follows depending on how they're feeling and, and what's happening in their life. So I feel like it's it's more of an ongoing opportunity than maybe a, a course or something that has a definite time that there's a start and a stop and then you go back to whatever you are doing. It's a definitely a different dynamic if you sign up for something that's, that's shorter versus this commitment to something that's more long-term. And I think one more thing to, to say about that i think what you've been working through around bringing people together and it starts as kind of a um a specific time but then allowing people to choose to continue that relationship i think is so important so i think it's that continued relationship
0: how how does that work out because i have some ideas what you're referring to but maybe the people who are listening not so much so what do you mean without continuing that conversation relationship thing
1: Yes, I would say finding a way that you can have an ongoing platform, something that's interactive, something that's consistent, something that's welcoming to all individuals, something that you can put in place. Like I can I can speak to two examples. One, within the Service Design Network New York community, we do run a monthly event. So people have every month, the second Tuesday is often when we do that, but we bring people together at a regular cadence. So they constantly have the opportunity, they can choose whether they want to participate that month or the next month, they know there's going to be a time to connect. And then similarly, within Capital One, we have different routines and ceremonies and opportunities. Um, One that's probably most famous is our What's Up Thursday. Every Thursday at lunch, we bring together all designers within Capital One to talk about something relevant, whether it's in the industry or internally, or just a passion project. So I think having that regularity of something that uh, people either take turns for more sustainability less burnout. But having this, we're going to meet at this cadence, given people's availability ongoing is a a core component of that community.
0: And you wanted to mention the second thing. And what was the second thing?
1: I think the two things were actually the SDN example of having monthly events. And the second example would be the What's Up Thursday, which we meet every Thursday for an hour and a half. And so, um, yeah, two examples, one from in-house and one from external.
0: Now um we're going to share some um best practices on how to start communities, how to make sure that people that they stay relevant, that they uh that you don't get burnt out, uh that you that the people uh participating in this community get the max value out of the effort they put in. But before we get into that, um I have some other questions I would like to go through with you. Um one of the um challenges i see around communities is um like i don't know a a facebook groups or a slack fatigue where people think okay i've joined a facebook group or i joined a slack channel and after two weeks like i'm done with that i'm part of i I joined for the community but uh you know i this this isn't working out so what's your take on those kind of communities
1: I see those as channels to continue a conversation, and I'm still learning, uh, as especially as we've gone into this pandemic and figuring out how to have that connection through Zoom and all of these different digital channels that we have available. But to me, those are where the follow-up conversations happen. and they're, And again, just from my experience, there needs to be some kind of Platform that's that's live where everyone's there at the same time, whether it is a Zoom call or something in person. But to me, I found success where people light up in that moment of of interacting with other human beings. Like I'm sure you've seen that through the campfires and different programs you run. There's this live reaction that you have of being with other people, whether it's through Zoom or whether it's in person. And I think that those other channels are helpful to keep the conversation going, but also if there's not another like spark or, or uh, kind of catalyst to, to remind people of how valuable and, and, and the group that they have come together with, how much they appreciate it, it does tend to fizzle out, I've found. And I've noticed that in the, the Slack channels that I'm a part of as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things when I was starting the campfire and the circle as well was, um, and especially the circle, it, it was a design decision not to have uh, a social media platform or a Slack channel or WhatsApp group. Like uh, in the circle, we have the monthly events for two hours. You get together. And then if you want to continue the conversation outside of the circle, you're more than welcome. But uh, that's you're going to do that on your own terms. Like, I feel that the signal-to-noise ratio in um, a lot of these platforms that advocate uh, a community is so high that um, really it crumbles down really, really fast. So having I I completely agree with you that um, being, quote-unquote, in the same room with people, um, knowing that the other people in the room are putting effort into actually being there like they have skin in the game there it it takes time out of your day uh you're committed to being there i think that creates um that a, a different kind of relationship that is really hard to mimic through just purely digital channels so that was a small rant yeah
1: yeah that was wonderful i think that also, identifying who within the group is more of an active participant versus maybe more of a, a listener or, or holding back, or not holding back, but I should say like identifying the levels of engagement in the sense of of helping with that sustainability of, of different people contributing in different ways. And maybe there is through the way that you often set up the, the events or the, the, the come-togethers that are had, it's very much about people taking turns of sharing and contributing their knowledge. Knowledge. The engagement is so important and I think it is, especially in this time with people being burned out and overwhelmed and uh, were they ever not burned out or overwhelmed, there is a, a tendency to just sit back and, and listen, which is fine. But then if most of the group is sit back and listen, it is harder sometimes to, to keep things alive when it's reliant on just a few people or even just one person. So that's something else I would recommend is to try to identify other individuals who want to keep a community going long-term and want to find ways to, to lighten the burden of, of facilitation, like ways that you can have a few people really lead the, the sessions or be as you have like a, a featured speaker facilitator so that it's um, everyone can have a turn and, and brings new energy and uh, lightens the load.
0: So <clears throat> I think the, the type of communities that you and I are referring to are communities uh, where you grow by engaging, you grow by uh, sharing stories. It's like a verbal prototype, not even just verbally, like <laughs> we also make things explicit, but um, it's not a classroom kind of Uh, setting where somebody is teaching and the rest is consuming, uh, which can be totally fine. But uh, I think for what we're trying to address here, communities of service design professionals, like you join these kind of communities or you create them when you feel that you've sort of read all the textbooks, like, you know, the theory, and then you get into doing the actual work, putting... Your craft into practice and then you run into challenges that aren't described in books and you can only learn through experience through stories so you need to find those stories in other people and that's i think the type of communities that you and i are advocating for here right
1: yes Yes, I agree. Yeah, I would say that particularly within service design, I find this excitement or this hunger to connect because in some pockets of the industry or some pockets of the world, it is newer to a lot of individuals and they they often find themselves being a, a team of one or a, you a know, designer on an island trying to, to boil the ocean of all the needs and things within the organization that they're supporting. So I find that service design poses a, a unique opportunity for community, but I I think that this community um, approach of, of learning by doing or learning from other people's stories could be valuable within any any group and any practice. But I find it's, it's particularly helpful within service design.
0: Now, um, I think it's interesting to uh, learn from your experience of starting a community uh, because somebody might get inspired by this conversation and think, yeah, I'm I want to start my own internal service design community within the organization that I'm running or maybe a local service design network chapter here. Um, You've been through that path a few times. Um, Could you take us through sort of the process that you've reverse engineered on how you start communities?
1: Sure, I would say find at least one other person. I was lucky to be able to find several other people. This applies both to my experience within the SDN as well as Capital One. But finding at least one other individual who wants to do this with you, and that's helpful because then you can bounce ideas off one another. You can do the work together. It early on sets the stage for reducing burnout or reducing the chance that something could be started and then somebody. Besides, it's too over it's too much. I have, you know, a whole life obviously outside of this community. I have other personal communities I'm a part of. So I would say finding those, and and I mentioned this earlier, those more engaged individuals. It it could be several people, but really the first step is is doing it with others who would then become a part of the community, whether that's internal or external, it might be a tiny group. And then identifying what they are looking for. I think it really aligns with our design process in general, of you're identifying the stakeholders, you're identifying the users, you're identifying the people that would be a part of this thing that that you would be creating or or be joining, if it's something you want to revamp or something like that. But yeah, so it's finding others, learning from them, creating a prototype or some kind of a a probe, which could be simply a meeting. For the SDN, we had a meeting at a bar. This was long before pandemic times. But we we just met at a, a crowded bar and just said, show up if you wanna talk about what a service design community would look like in New York City, we did surveys Prior to the event, and we brought post-its and pens. As again, it very much aligns with us as designers and the kind of some of the tools that we use, whether it's physical or just generally looking at our design process. So, getting the people you are creating something for or with, it is a co-creation activity. Getting them together, learning what they want, and then continuing um, creating more things for them to interact with, and constantly getting feedback from them regarding whether this is something that's more of what they like or Less of what they like, and so always checking in and making space for that more organic converse. Excuse me, conversation throughout um, the the events or sessions, whatever you want to call them, and that's pretty much it. I think um, we're actually in a phase right now within the New York chapter where we're looking at bringing up more leaders to help pass it on to maybe this next generation, which is a whole other conversation. But I would say. Those are, are the steps, uh, if I want to do a synopsis, maybe you're good at that, but I'll just say it's uh, finding others, learning from them, co-creating, creating a probe, constant feedback, and uh, trying different uh, platforms or different types of engagement, whether it's a panel, um, a speaking thing, a mixer, a service safari, just try different formats.
0: That's a good uh synopsis. So thank you for that. And uh it definitely aligns with our design process. So you would say like that if if it's so dear and close to us, if we know what to do, what do you find are some common roadblocks for people to uh start and maybe sometimes even join a community?
1: I would say hesitance around things being perfect and that was a, a huge topic that we discussed the other week around vulnerability and being comfortable with a, a messy rough draft i think is the the common thing that we're talking about the phrase we use for a prototype that it's not it's not finished and i think that that's the the key to get going is is don't worry about the perfection or don't worry if you make a mistake i mean it's it's an evolving thing and so i think there's hesitance around making something too perfect Perfect. And I'm very guilty of that, I would say. Um, I have some stories, but that's maybe for a longer session. Um, but yeah, and then I think the other thing when it comes to joining is frankly maybe just shyness or not knowing what are the expectations how should i show up in this group and like any event or or any moment where you're around new people i mean it's like how do do i uh, strangers like i mean it's it's people i don't know um possibly if it's in-house it might be people you just haven't connected with deeply before around something so there's kind of i've noticed a shyness to just get going and and so i think it would be just be open and and, uh, you know, also, as a, if you're starting it, try to help people understand how to show up and what to be prepared for and help facilitate them as they get going um, so that they feel comfortable and they know what to do, how to behave. Um, and, and they c- should be free to behave however they want, but sometimes people want a little bit of a, a push to be like, okay, we're doing an activity together. I know how to
0: show up. Um, I see that hesitation as well. And uh, it's interesting to see that there are different um uh, approaches to this i think that there there can be a sort of um, a weight on the word community like if you're starting like i need to start a community like maybe you, you just like you said just just call it a, a meeting or or i don't know let's let's exchange best practices Like right? if if don't make it don't make it too big in your head like get the people together who you want to talk to and learn from each other. And uh, don't be scared off by uh, the commitment you might need to put in at the start or uh, how much you need to organize. It can be as simple as just, like you said, getting together in a bar. And that's how the service design community in the Netherlands started as well. So uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be very complicated.
1: I'd agree. And yeah, I think the only other thing I would add to that is just, um, Yeah, when we started the SDN New York chapter, it was really like, do you all want to meet more often? (laughs) It was even less than than what you said about a meeting or thought exchange. It was like, this feels, we met at the global service jam, and it was like, this feels like something we should do more. Maybe we don't want to do a jam every week, uh, but maybe we could do something else. Would you want to do something else together? (laughs) And so even this idea of something else, and I think that that's what I'm also seeing in house to bring it back to those who are thinking about this for their communities at work or the organization that they're a part of that's also happening as um, I'm joining a, a community and they're getting started internally a, a new kind of a section of, of design and they showed up and they just said can we just define what strategic design is let's just get in breakout rooms what do you think this even is so it's even just defining the type of design or defining like the core crux of the conversation and it wasn't even they have no idea uh, what they're doing but they figured uh, "Well." meet at this cadence and who knows and show up but it's very uh, very organic and, and very much like it, it is what people make of it.
0: I like that attitude a lot and um, you mentioned uh, the word ownership a few times. I think that's the only well not, not the only but that's one of the uh, secret ingredients um, if I look back at the campfires that, uh, that we host with the service design show like my role there is literally to light to light the fire, and then everything else happens around it. But if the fire wouldn't be there, it would be really hard to get to to sort of co- coordinate those different conversations. People wouldn't know where to had to. So I think, uh, and that's maybe sometimes a bit underestimated, um, the the importance of having someone or a team just lighting the fire. And it can be a literal, literally a fire or a, a metaphor in the sense that you send out calendar invites, like here's, here's the Zoom link for Tuesday morning and see you there. And then sort of the rest happens, can happen quite organically. But if you don't take, if you don't light the fire, like it's really hard to get, things going so if, if if people only take away one thing i think that part is is really important
1: i love that metaphor too as someone and I, I can see it too at a campfire like the campers won't show up if there's no fire there's not you need to be a beacon for others to come together often, and you might be able to identify that there's a need there, and you see there are people, you know, all around, and I'm gesturing as kind of like they're all over the space, but there needs to be someone that brings them together, and then once they're together, then to to help them connect if they if they need that. But yeah, 100% agree. There needs to be someone to be the catalyst for this, and then an ongoing supporter of a, a holding space, maybe as a way to say it, holding space for that type of engagement.
0: And uh, we had this discussion in the circle as well, like um, do communities last forever or sometimes they feel like they have to last forever? How? Do, what's your take on this? When do they stop becoming relevant?
1: That is such a tough question. We are in the midst of that conversation with the SDN New York, as I might've mentioned earlier. I think that they are needed as long as they're needed, and and I think it it does get you mentioned earlier. Like it's it can be intimidating to think about. So I'm going to be running this community for the rest of my life. I mean that's something that I think is a little bit daunting and might even turn someone off from starting. So I would say it is very much a a learning, listening, and and you personally evolve throughout that time. Again, whether you become a part of the community or you're leading the community, you it's almost like you'll know when you know, and that's a very very uh you know feels wishy-washy about what what is the right time to to continue what is the right time to hand it off what is the right time to take a break and from personal experience you just know and i i would say for for me and and looking at the SDN New York chapter i think there, there's these kind of ebbs and flows of growth as well in terms of learning how to uh, work with folks and, and what they need and everything. And so I think um, there was this learning and then there was kind of this plateau of we've got it, we've figured this out. And now it's kind of like, what's next? And you can really feel that in your direct experience with the community. So it's hard to say that there's a set time or you know when or how long or forever and so I think it's it's that constant assessment throughout to establish what is the what are the phase what is the phase that we're in right now and where should we be headed next and I think putting that pressure of saying this is an indefinite community will always that's also a dangerous way to live life like nothing's going to stay the same like look at this pandemic and how it's changed how we work together so I would say being keeping open-minded and really Listening to yourself, to the community, to the people that are really engaged running this. What are their needs, and what part of the evolution are you within? So it's, yeah, that's what I would say is listening.
0: Yeah, listening. And uh, I had in my notes here, like making sure keep it relevant. And w- what my thinking around that was is um, there there is a constant balance between trying to standardize things, structure things, make. Like give a predictable experience to some to some extent for the people in the community, but at the same time, you you need to change. You need to keep evolving. So, and that's that's already one thing on my mind around the circle. Like we're trying to figure out a format that uh, that allows us to have meaningful conversations and where people sort of feel like the it was worth their time, and we're sort of iterating our way forward. But that at the same time, I'm already feeling like. Okay, once we get there, we should probably throw everything away and start from scratch. And that feels like that. That's that feels like a very interesting uh, tension.
1: It's, it's constant. I mean, I would say just briefly about, and again, this does reflect into the the Capital One communities I'm a part of. But this idea of in-person gatherings, and that was really all that the SDN New York chapter had done for a couple of years, was in-person. And then it was only online, and now we're figuring out, okay, how is it in person and online because we've now built community outside of the New York City area, and that seems unfair to all of a sudden be like, never mind everyone who joined on Zoom, we don't care about you anymore. So so there's all there are these external factors as well as internal factors around what the individuals are talking about and what they need and as they evolve. So it's a really interesting dynamic of this, like the world at large and then the individual human within this community and and how they have changed over time. So so yes uh, you definitely, every time you come to a new chapter, a new crossroads which way do we go then soon enough you'll have another one as well.
0: Yeah, what's, uh, what's interesting here I think is that if you're aware of this and I hope that people are right now, you can uh, actually embed this in the DNA of the community. So uh, for instance and i think you also gave those examples like part of the circle structure is defined by the hosts who differ every month so uh, you don't have to um uh you don't have to predefine everything you can predefine some things like okay here's the place here's the time here's the campfire and uh And maybe let's use another metaphor, like music, like there will be music, but the person playing the music and the type of music like that can change uh, every time. So I think that's the thing that uh, can keep a community uh, predictable on one hand, while at the same time uh, being able to stay relevant to the people who are actually in the community, if that makes sense.
1: It does. It does. And it was just making me think about there's so many different ways that you can get people engaged. And I think that that's a constant exploration and depending on the audience and, and who's there. And I think the key, though, is getting those. Different, fresh, unique conversations going, and so for us, the catalyst is the the speaker, and um, and, and it's a little bit different in Inside Capital One because it's we don't really have speakers; it's just a bunch of uh, people talking. Which maybe is it's it's like kind of I see the the circle work that you've done as this really amazing combination of like having a, a speaker or a topic, but then also the organic nature of the people coming together. And I feel like when I'm in Capital One, the smaller communities are just people coming together. and There's not a speaker, which can be a little bit jarring because it's too much on that spectrum. And then sometimes with the SDN events, I feel bad if there's less two-way conversation because someone just spoke and then people were feeling quiet that day or something. And then it just, so we listened. <laughs> but I like how you have both the listening and that two-way conversation where people, because it's smaller, and that's something that we haven't talked talked about together but that's interesting as well is the size of the group also defines how the engagement goes and I have been feeling more recently that maybe it is having smaller communities or making sure there are breakout rooms in a larger event. I think that when we used to do things in person, people just did that on their own. There was the big event where everyone was together and maybe it was loud and so people felt quiet or something like that. And then when they were in kind of a more networking, they just would find their groups and talk quietly. So ways that you can find um, both of those is is really important having the sharing and some kind of interesting thing and then and then also the the personalities and and the perspectives as well that they can exchange
0: so uh you're inspiring me to come up with a lot of metaphors and this conversation and what i'm uh seeing in front of me uh and what you're describing and how i also try to uh model the the circle is um let's compare it to a conference like during a conference, you have people addressing certain topics. They are providing food for thought. And then after the conference, you have like a speaker's dinner or you go to a bar and then you follow up onto the topics that were addressed by the speakers. And I think that's the model I'm sort of, I, I, I feel that that's the golden model I'm trying to aim for with the communities that I set up. Like you have somebody to sparking a conversation and then tapping into the collective intelligence of the rest of the people who are in there because I think maybe that's a thing we overlook sometimes is the people in the community know a lot. They're like professional, smart people. It's 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 a waste not to at least try to tap into what they know and, and get their experience rather than just listening to, to one person. So the conference and the speaker's dinner, I think that's... Merging those two or, or doing those on a smaller scale is, um, is I think, a really interesting concept.
1: I love it. If you can figure it out, please share.
0: <laughs> well, that's 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 what we're pro- yeah, that's what we're prototyping in the circle, right? That's that's what we're aiming for. And uh, another thing uh, which we discussed in the circle and came out as one of the best practices was uh, being interactive. Um, maybe you can share some uh, things around that. Uh, Sure,
1: I would say that goes back to my comment about variety of type of session because people will engage differently and feel more comfortable, less comfortable depending on the setting. And so that brings uh, forth different voices and different ways that people can can come together. But always having that, we covered that a lot actually over the last couple of minutes, but having the opportunity to listen and think and reflect and then I'm, I'm also going to be somehow engaging, whether it is through, I mean, recently, all I can think about is Zoom through the chat or through the polls or through some kind of conversation. Putting people on the spot to be the only one speaking when there's a big group, and I think big is like 25 plus, can be really hard for some individuals. So making it interactive and maybe there is that opportunity for those who really like to speak in, in big groups, whether that's in person or in. Uh, zoom but then also having those smaller opportunities like again with the circle it is it's a nice size where people are less intimidated to speak if public speaking is not their thing so so this ability to make it interactive with different activities um, Speaking to the SDN New York chapter for us, we've made that interactive through panels. We've done my favorite. I I always light up with this because we had started and we were able to do two, but service safaris where they were in small groups and they were evaluating different services within our community. At one point, we went to the Central Park Zoo and they were all looking at the service of the zoo, but they had different assignments around which component. Was it the signage? Was it the seating? Was it the amenities of like food and drink and you have a bathroom over here? And so giving them a a task that they could engage with and making there to be variety within that task is really engaging. Uh, At least that's the feedback we've received. And then we did one with um, different pizza places in New York City uh, because that's where we're located. And so people then, they all got three different pizza places that they evaluated the service for. And even between those two services so far as they were very different. Yeah, just having different people to interact with, different topics to interact with, different ways to engage that are a variety of large groups, small group, just giving people ways to interact that are, are not the same every time.
0: And I think this goes back to um, my my beef with uh, Slack and uh, Facebook groups and all those kind of platforms is that... Uh, there is there is very little engagement there. This is like the classic internet thing where maybe 3% of the community actually engages and contributes and the rest uh, listens in. And I don't think that actually creates the deep relationships you need to have vulnerability to share real stories because I while chatting about this i think that's what we're sort of implicitly implicitly trying to advocate is the the growth we're looking for is is only achieved if people trust each other if they share stories of failures if they share experiences that were tough like we don't want the best case studies we see them at conferences like we want those we want to be able to talk about those those tough moments and for that you need quote-unquote deeper relationships and you build those deeper relationships by engaging by doing things collectively rather than just passively uh, listening to stuff. So I think uh, to go back to sort of the why is that interactive and engaging part so important is that because it builds trust, it builds relationships and those relationships allow for different conversations, different topics, and that allows for the growth that we, I think, are seeking. Does that make sense again?
1: It definitely makes sense, and I think going back to the, the trust, the vulnerability, these are things that are maybe not intuitive to someone who's joining or to someone who's trying to create this, is that perfection and that wanting it to be a certain way. And and I think the messiness really helps bring people together and building the trust, and I think that's where the consistency of having someone light the campfire at a certain interval, that they see similar, like I, I want I saw that person last time. I liked what they said. Like building on a relationship ongoing is so important. And of course, you'll have different people come in and out. But having some people who, like a, a small group that, that consistently comes together, they'll begin to get to know one another and trust and appreciate one another. I mean, hopefully in an ideal situation, maybe they don't like each other. But I mean, having a, a group or a cohort really is is what I would call a portion of a community is, is a cohort. They have that banter. They know each other. They've been seeing each other uh, for the last several years or something. I mean, there's there's this safety there, but then there's Also, and we talked about this in the beginning briefly, ability to be welcoming and open, like knowing that that group that has their banter and knows each other, they're going to welcome you too. And they're happy to have you in the conversation as well. So really trying to create that as a host or facilitator of a safe space for people to trust one another and join, even if it's their first time. And that's something I'm I'm still trying to figure out in terms of best practices, because we have received that feedback from folks joining the the SDN New York chapters, the, the warmth and Welcoming and, um, I guess humility has come up like, oh, this group is humble. Um, and that speaks to your point about the messiness and the um ability to share challenges and not just focus on the the bright sunny parts of of some of the work that we do. So, 100% agree, yes, with your last comment.
0: And uh, uh, to add to that, I think uh, one of the things we also mentioned in our circle conversation was the distinction between maybe um. Uh, communities that go wide versus communities that go deep. And I think both are valid and both are needed. So communities that go wide are maybe communities where you as a service designer meet UX designers, meet um, enterprise architects, I don't know, meet all kinds of uh, disciplines and exchange knowledge, ideas, connections. Those are those are great. Like, But those aren't the places where you'll be able to uh, start a conversation and within 30 seconds be at a level where you think, thinking, okay, I, I don't have to explain what service design is to this person. This person actually gets the challenges that I'm talking about and r- get there really quickly. So uh, I think the, the, the wide communities are great, but uh, in this case, uh, especially what we're uh, trying to, to put out here is how do you create communities that are able to go deep with each other. Agreed. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think it's it's interesting to also have those experiences with folks so that they can feel how that's different from um, having a, a community where you all are coming from a similar vantage point in terms of service design in particular, I think that it's, it's, but we face that every day, I guess. So it's not really something you need to create. It's like every day I'm obviously explaining what service design is and working with folks who are not service designers. So we're kind of already by nature within those communities. So what where the gap often is, is the community that is so specific to what we are passionate about and what we want to continue to grow in so we we get energy from that to then take it to the other communities where we might be the only one uh practicing what we do
0: and uh you mentioned the gap and i think that's uh the thing maybe that inspired you to to uh, address this topic is that when often like as a service designer you are quite lonely uh you, know, you you're going to be lucky if you're at a service design agency working with a lot of people who will get what you do but often uh you're one of the few who gets this. And then finding those other peers uh, where you can share ideas with, uh, maybe just uh, build your confidence. Like, am I crazy? Is it just me? Uh, Those people can be really hard to find if they are not in your physical uh, uh, environment. Where do I find them? How do I approach them? And uh, I think communities like the Campfire, like the Circle, and uh, maybe the SDN online events, are a great example of, of how to do that and why they are there.
1: Exactly, yeah, it it is, I would agree with you. It's more common than not to not have a, a community inside your kind of default and that's where I would say that that this this conversation here and I think when we've had conversations in the past about community in a way it's a call to action to to go find your community. You're not going to it's not going to land, you know, in your lap right in front of you. It's it's not it might not be there by default. And that's where it is on you. If this sounds exciting or interesting to you, it is on you to go and find that community and join and or create it if it doesn't even exist yet. And so I guess that would be my, my ask to those listening if this sounds interesting to you look around whether it's, I mean, I look at meetup because that's what we, where our platform is, but I mean the event brights and meetups and, and Mark, you have a lot of resources and and programs you're already running, but, but go out and talk to people and, and figure out where are those communities and where there isn't one that is particularly meeting your needs. Find a friend who also has that interest and identify other people that might have that interest and create your own. Um, Don't be, don't be afraid. (laughs) It's, it's not too hard um so so yeah i would say that's the call to action from my perspective is don't expect a community to just appear in front of you you might have to do a little bit of work to go and find it
0: that's a great call to action i hope many people will uh will follow you up on this and to add one more thing and this goes back to the beginning of our conversation i think like if you feel that you want to grow as a professional if you if you feel that obligation if you maybe you you feel that you've plateaued in your expertise and your skills and your methods and you wanna explore what's out there you wanna become a better uh service designer you wanna make more impact i think finding communities creating communities um is the way to go and of course like if you wanna grow it takes effort you have to pursue that so uh a call to action just makes sense. Natalie, I'm curious, um, what was your biggest takeaway from the conversation we had in the circle?
1: I think really, and, and I might have mentioned this earlier, I'm also looking at our mirror board to see if there's anything that stands out. I just keep going back to the vulnerability aspect of it because that is something that is like to me the anti-pattern of a leader, which I I am loving the the day and age that we're in where we're breaking down whatever stereotypical leader that we have in our minds that is probably antiquated and out of date and and completely out of line. (laughs) But I would say this idea of trust and vulnerability really sticks with me as somebody who's lighting that that fire for the campfire, for the beacon, for people to come together, that you don't have to be perfect and you can. It's actually helpful for others to engage if you're less perfect and more uh, messy is maybe the wrong word, but more open, um, more like you know we're all learning together. So I would say dropping that that concern with being a, a stereotypical leader, which I did air quotes for that for those listening. There's that's well, let's break that down and let's just be ourselves. And you're just a, a unique individual bringing folks together and or being a part of something thing with a bunch of other unique individuals and and your perspective is is so valuable and uh yeah so that's that's my takeaways vulnerability and trust is key and uh don't don't stray away from that or try to be too too perfect because that's not even a thing so
0: yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't help to trying to be too perfect like uh be adaptive try to adapt now um Your call to action was already very strong, but is there a thing that you hope... uh, If if people can take away one thing from this entire conversation, what do you hope it is?
1: I hope they will take away... Uh, the interest in trying out joining or starting a community if one doesn't exist so Whether they listen to this because they saw the title of it, and they're like that's for me I want to learn more or if they were just curious about what even does community mean I would I would say another call to action is is to to try out um, a community that you were uncertain about or or um, yeah try something new I suppose in relationship to communities and um, see see what you make of that and always expose yourself to a, a new community or a new group that that new perspectives can only help us in the long run so always always look for those
0: and and to uh, add to this one thing that's maybe uh sort of comforting and you only get that through experience is there are more people as crazy as you are regardless what the topic is so if you are hesitant about starting something with regards to a certain topic whether it's service design or something else because you're afraid that you'll be the only one at the party that never happens like uh, i've been in that situation so many times and i'm happy that i always uh persevered and sort of started the party because people will show up. Even if it's just one, you're never the only one interested in the topic. So don't, just just, just do it, just go for it. And uh, again, you'll be surprised. Um, let's wrap things up, uh, Natalie. Uh, first of all, thank you for sharing uh, this. Uh, I hope it inspired many people to join a community, to start a community. We need more service designers. I think it's great when server designers uh, create allies uh, and it just makes the whole community (laughs) stronger. So thanks again for addressing this and uh, coming on on the show. Thank
1: you, Mark, for having me and everyone have a wonderful rest of your day.
0: Awesome that you made it all the way here. I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation and found some helpful advice. And of course, follow Natalie up on her call to action. And if you're looking for a service design community to be part of, consider joining The Circle. Like I said at the start, The Circle is a community of in-house service design professionals who share the dirty secrets and the hard parts of their work. Some of the upcoming themes that we are going to address in the circle are about how you can help others so that they can help you. And for instance, what's the influence of educational background, work backgrounds on the practice of service design. You can find all the details on how to apply to the circle at servicedesignshow.com slash circle. And you'll also find the link in the show notes down below thanks so much for tuning in to the service design show it's a great pleasure having you i really appreciate your time so keep making a positive impact and i'll catch you in the next episode